0: This episode took me on quite a research trip, and I found out during this last-minute edit that I left out some things and needed to correct the pronunciation of Gigantopithecus, which is the scientific term for the world's largest ape, which is thought by some researchers to have died out thousands of years ago. In the story to come, I called it Gigantopithecus, so many apologies for my error. Also, in the coming episode, I failed to mention the work of the BFRO, the Bigfoot Field Research Organization, which I'll mention here in this update, because when I went back in to edit my show, the data file had disappeared, and despite hours of efforts to find it, I haven't been able to, so I couldn't edit this info into my episode. Think of this as a prelude to our episode, and thanks to all of you for your enduring patience on this journey into the unexplained. Here's my update. There are a number of websites out there that deal with sightings and research of Bigfoot-type cryptids, but the one that carries the most weight is the BFRO, known as the Bigfoot Field Researchers Organization, and found at www.bfro.net. Founded in 1995, the BFRO is the oldest and largest organization of its kind. As they describe it on their About page, it is a virtual community of scientists, journalists, and specialists from diverse backgrounds dedicated to the study of Bigfoot-type creatures in ways that will not harm them. All of their research thus far brings to light the fact that no Bigfoot in recent history has ever attacked a human. They tend to shy away from humans and exhibit enough caution that there has never been a report of one being hit by a car or a truck. They've never been found in traps and they tend to only frequent wilderness areas, and mostly at night. The BFRO website has a tremendous collection of Bigfoot reports from across North America and internationally, and it is the only collection that follows up on the more credible reports by sending qualified researchers to interview and add their results to the report. The reports are divided into three classes, A, B, and C. Class A involves Clear sightings in circumstances where misinterpretation or misidentification of other animals can be ruled out with greater confidence. For example, there are several footprint cases that are very well documented. These are considered Class A reports because misidentification of common animals, such as bears, can be confidently ruled out. Class B reports probably involve sightings at great distance or poor light, or sound only cases, all of which fall into Class B. These are not less credible or less important. For example, one Class B report from Trinity, California, involved a very credible witness who backpacked into a remote area that had a history of Sasquatch-related incidents. He described various occurrences that happened around his camp at night that are strongly suspected to be Sasquatch-related. These types of reports often involve howls, tree branches breaking, voice mimicry, and loud knocks on trees using broken branches. These are almost always interpreted as efforts on the creature's part to frighten humans in order that they leave the area. Class C is usually second- or third-hand reports, often with untraceable sources. Again, it doesn't mean it's false, it just means the likelihood for misinterpretation is higher. To give you an example, this is report number 24266, a Class A report submitted by a witness, and verified by a BFRO investigator. Year 2006. Season, fall, month, November. State, Florida. County, Pasco County. Location details. At edge of Cypress Creek Well Field, a 7,400-acre conservation area, water is piped to St. Pete while the land is open to hikers, horses, and bikes. Flatlands, swamp, and creeks during the wet season. Nearest town? Land o Lakes, Nearest road, Aaron Cut-off. Observed. One day, my son and his friend ran out of the woods next to the house out of breath and scared. They said they had seen something big. I asked them what color, and my son said brown. I assumed it was a deer or wild pig, as there are many around. I just told them to be careful and brushed it off. A month or so later, there was a show about Bigfoot on TV and my son came to me and asked if they were Bigfoot in Florida. I told him no, and that they stay up north. I didn't want him to be scared of the woods. I didn't tell him about the Florida skunk ape sightings. About six months later, my neighbor called me to ask if I or my family had ever seen anything unusual in the woods. I was sitting in the car with my son, waiting for school to open. My neighbor told me about the sightings he and others had last fall. My son heard the conversation and then started interrupting me, telling me he had seen it. My neighbor heard him over the phone and started giving me questions to ask. Height? Very tall, taller than my parents. Color? Reddish-brown. Was there a bad smell? Yes. I asked him what did the ears look like? Were they pointy, rounded, or what? He said he didn't see any ears, just head and hair. My son and friend were playing in the woods when he saw something moving in undergrowth. He saw the back of something that looked like it was on all fours. As the back was large and tall, he decided to move closer to the house. He felt very nervous. As they were leaving, it seemed as if the something was moving toward them. He also remembers sticks being thrown. He urged his friend to move on. Then at one point he turned to look and saw this large thing looking at him from behind a tree at about ten feet back. It was standing up and very big and tall. The tree was at least two feet in diameter, yet it had wrapped one arm all the way around it. There were many vines and branches on the trunk, so he didn't get a good look at the body, but he insisted it was standing on two feet, not hanging on the trunk. He said the eyes spooked him. He started running, and his friend followed. That is when I saw them coming out of the woods all out of breath. I asked him why he didn't tell me he saw Bigfoot when he came out of the woods, instead of saying, "'Something big.'" He said that he didn't know there was such a thing as Bigfoot. Then when he saw the show on TV, he asked me if they were in Florida, and I had said no. So he filed it away until my conversation with my neighbor reminded him. And then the next category of the report, other witnesses. My son and his friends, both approximately 10 to 11 years old, were playing in the sighting area. They liked to eat tangerines and play on vines, trees, and logs. The friend did not see but he realized my son was upset. Category, other stories. A neighbor was telling me about sightings he and others in the area had during the same period. When my son overheard the conversation, that's when he told me of his. Time and conditions. Afternoon, sunny, warm. Swampy area was covered overhead by thick tree and vine growth, so it was dark underneath. Environment. Swampy area approximately 50 yards from home. Area is between home and rest of wellfield, some palmetto areas. There are many wild tangerine trees left from when land around it had some orange groves 50 to 70 years ago. Swamp has some dry areas with large puddle creeks all over. And here's the investigation report by the BFRO investigator Kathy Betts. The witness, J.G., is my 14-year-old nephew, and after I interviewed him, he had these details to add. J.G., 12 years old at the time, and two friends, a 13-year-old and his younger brother, were playing in the woods near his house. The woods border a large conservation area and are comprised of swamp, oak forests, and piney shrubland. While playing and making the usual sorts of boyish ruckus noises, the boys heard sticks breaking and the sounds of something large approaching them through the thick undergrowth. Feeling apprehensive, the two older boys began to move slowly back towards the house, while the youngest boy ran home. J.G. reported that at this point he turned around and saw something tall behind a tree. He exclaimed to his friend, What's that? But the friend didn't look back, instead choosing to keep up his retreat. J.G. states that what he saw was a man-thing that was peering from behind a large tree from about 25 feet away. He says that it was covered in hair and that most of its body was hidden behind the tree. He does not recall much about its body except that it was sort of humpbacked and tall, much taller than his six-foot-tall father, and that it was definitely standing on two legs. He stated that its head was sort of roundish and that its head sat squarely on its shoulders. He only saw one shoulder, which he described as being huge and really buff. When asked about the hair, J.G. described it as being darkish brown and that it appeared well-groomed. What J.G. recalls most vividly was the creature's face, particularly its eyes. He gave a detailed description of it having blackish lips, no ears, a sort of gorilla nose, and that the hair on its head was like a cross between people hair and animal hair. But when asked to draw a picture of what he had seen, J.G. only drew the eyes. He states that they were brown and piercing and that it is what he remembers most about the creature. J.G. remembers the sighting as having taken place about 1 p.m. and that it only lasted about 10 seconds, or less, before he also turned and ran. Although the witness is my nephew, he had experienced this sighting long before I had started doing investigative work with the BFRO. J.G. is adamant about what he had seen, and I believe that what he had witnessed was a Bigfoot. There are hundreds of reports like this one at BFRO.net, and they cover the U.S. and the world. So for those of you in the 200 countries we reach here, take a look and see what has been reported in your part of the world. Citing reports sent to the BFRO are analyzed, evaluated, and investigated with techniques and approaches derived from the legal profession, law enforcement, and investigative journalism. To the question, is there any physical evidence at all? This is their reply. The short answer, yes, there is quite a bit of physical evidence. Tracks, hair, scat, and tree damage are all physical evidence. People tend to misuse this phrase when what they really mean is physical remains. And then the BFRO gives you uh, section after section in answers to the most common questions asked, and it's very, very interesting. Another great thing about this website is that they provide a map of United States sighting reports, uh, listing state by state. And they'll give you the number of listings, the most recent report, and the last Posted. And for those of you in different states, I'll give you some of the ones on the leaderboard here. California, 434 listings, most recent February 2017. Florida, 310 sightings, most recent February 2017. Illinois, 279 sightings, again, most recent February 2017. North Carolina, with 96, most recent March of 2016. Ohio, 267, most recent December 2016. Oregon, 243 sightings, uh, most recent March 2016. Texas, 219 sightings, most recent January 2017. Uh, Washington State, 623 sightings, uh, January 2017, the most recent. Then you open up the state, and it'll give you each county in the state. Uh, for instance, in Florida, it, it lists sightings in almost every county, not quite every one. And some of your counties with the most sightings, uh, you got 11 in Broward, 16 in Clay, 21 in Collier, 18 in Lake County, 11 in Levy County, 18 in Marion County, 5 in Okaloosa, 3 in Okeechobee, 16 in Polk, uh, and so on. So very, very interesting reading here with regard to uh With regard to reports, and when you start looking at the whole U.S. and taking it down county by county, I don't know, I haven't counted them, but uh, I'd say high hundreds or maybe into the thousands, going back to 1995, and then also reports that recount experiences before 1995. So you've got all different types of reports. You really have to take it uh, seriously before you make your decision, do I think these exist or don't I, or am I just going to wait for evidence? Please stay tuned for our episode, Florida's Skunk Cape in its entirety.